one. And we are live. And if you've just watched Banged Up on Channel 4, there are multiple episodes. And we're seeing the celebrities settle into a reconstruction of a prison, going through the idealistic bubble, getting rapidly popped by people like Tony and George. <laughs> and, um, the, 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 way, the way it ended, Tony, with you just... That politician, the way you put it to him at the end there, that was, I thought that was one of the best bits. Well, it's, it's just, you, when you're a normal working class person and all you're seeing in the news is the kids are getting stabbed, kids are joining gangs, the crime rate is going through the roof and then you've got fucking MPs saying, oh, well, the prison system works. Well, it don't. It's, you haven't got to be a rocket scientist to work that out. And it was great to have the opportunity, which a lot of people don't. And I, I'm, I was really trying to represent every single working class person that screams at that telly and says it's not fucking working. And I had the opportunity to talk to someone that's in parliament and it was great. It was a great feeling to get it off my chest. And George, yeah, Mike. like I said, like I said earlier, very commanding presence, ex prison officer. Yeah. Uh, and how did you feel going in there and getting back to work? So me and Tony did the, uh, the pilot as well as the actual full episode, full, full screening, okay? So I remember driving up to Shrewsbury. I, I love adventures. So I just thought, right, I'll have a go at this. And on the way up there, I remember phoning the wife and saying, I can't see how this is going to fucking work. <laughs> and it's funny you've got Tony there, you know, because we went into it. Um, he's a character like myself. Whatever we do is full on, 100%. You'll get, you'll, we step up, give the A game every time. So <laughs> I remember Tony, I was just about to shut his door and it'd been about five hours into the pilot. And he went to me, you fucking screws are making me feel like I'm back doing my sentence again, being banged up proper. <laughs> so I said, and you fucking cons are making me feel like I'm back on the wings right. <laughs> and he went, it's fucking great, isn't it? I said, mate, this is going to work. This is, because I think, because I spent 12 years inside, Tony spent years inside, right? And he's been around that environment. And so you, you, you don't know how to play at this lark. Yeah. You, you don't know fucking how to pretend. You know, that's why they were saying, Shine weren't sure of us at the beginning. They were saying, we want you to act how you really act. And I said, look, I only know fucking one way. When you put me on a wing and you put a white shirt on me, <laughs> I'm full on. And that's how you get me. I can't pretend. So I've done yeah. it pretend. It was, it was, and it was scarily real. Really, and, and the thing to really the is. thing to really hit home, and I, I really want to make a point of this. What's that, then, Dwayne? Um, <laughs> a lot of people are messaging me, going, "Oh, well, it's all fake," and it, I, I can't reiterate this enough. Nothing was scripted. Nothing. Everything happened as it happened, and it was filmed. The the cameras were on twenty four hours a day, so we weren't told you got to do this, you got to do that. Nothing was scripted. So because they wanted it to be as genuine an experience as possible. And I really felt um, that we achieved that. And watching it tonight, it blew all my expectations away. I think the editing was amazing. And I think you really get a sense of both sides, from the officer's perspective and from the inmates. We've got a really good question here from Matt. And Dwayne's just joined us. So I'll put this question to him first. Thanks for jumping on, Dwayne. So, what is the right level of violence a man should express in prison? How do you gain someone's respect and fear, but not have them see you as too unpredictable and unstable? How do you have the fear and keep the love? How would you answer that, Dwayne? 
Cool, blimey, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Welcome, welcome. How can I digest some of that? <laughs> Do a little bit of that again, please, Sean. So, so you know, like these guys are coming in, and some people are getting in their faces, and they're like heart checking them. The viewers saying, "How forceful should you be? Really, can you go too far when you're trying to show that you can handle yourself?" Yeah. Can it get to too much fear and, and then you lose the love? You just gotta do your things, don't you? It's head to head. You don't you can't you can't go down. You've got to have a straightener or do whatever you do, picking up whatever you got to survive. So more than likely, the majority of the time it's all psychologically. So it's only the five percent or three percent that ever comes to something. So it's psychological, people find their way psychologically rather than physically, but then you've got the five percent that sometimes it will because two don't don't back down but usually one will fall back get down or lay down if they don't then it's getting dirty dirty dancing so tony what would you say then how does it go you get respect without them seeing you as being too unpredictable and unstable you, you don't in my view you don't it's uh, if you if you're on a sentence of i would say over six months i would i would say you're almost guaranteed at some time to have some form of confrontation, whether it's minor or major. What I will say is that the people that fake it get found out very, very quickly. So the people that come in and try to put that persona across that they're tough and that they're up for anything and they'll stab you and all this. But when it comes to that moment, you can see it in their eyes that they ain't about that life. And that's when they come unstuck. But if you're in a position in prison, you have to understand you're being watched all the time. There's no privacy. So if you have an argument in the cell and people are screaming, you can guarantee there's 20 people outside listening and looking through the flap and watching. So if you don't react accordingly, you're seen as being weak. So it don't matter whether it's over a tea bag, a Rizla, someone's tried to say something about your family. You have got to hurt them so bad that not only that person knows, but the rest of the wing knows that if you're put in that position again, this is going to be the result. And that's the reality of prison. <clears throat> All right, Chet. Chet, can you hear us? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. How are you, Chet? I'm all good. I'm all good, yeah? What it is, yeah? I'll be home in 10 minutes, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be home in 10 minutes, yeah? I know this I'm driving, yeah? Ten minutes, but I'm like, come on the Zoom, yeah. Let the other boys talk first, and let me get home, yeah. And then I put my. All right, we'll see you soon, chat. <laughs> Cheers. All right, George. So when a situation kicks off like that, then where someone's getting intimidated, mm. like, what is the point where you step in? You don't have to always step in. You just have to make your presence felt. And if you're not a mug screw, they'll. I feel funny saying it with the lads, but I sort of carried quite a bit of respect where I worked in Belmarsh and hopefully on the programme, you know. So sort of thing where I was make myself present, you don't tend to have to step in all the time. You know, the, the, the fights in prison, they're not like fucking fights on a, you know, in fucking some high street on a Friday night where it's, yeah, yeah, you fancy it, yeah. It fucking goes, right? So you're, you're at five mile an hour and then all of a sudden you're at 150. And it goes. So you become. It's, it's a bit of a. It's a bit of a, um, a curse, really, of a screw. Because even these, even now, you, you, you're watching body movement. Like there was a clip in the film in the in the actual episode 
that they they didn't actually show the ending of it. That episode where Tony was cleaning the, the bogs or the showers with uh, the MP Mercer, that was getting close because I, I was watching Tony's body language just went from forty five degrees and then he started fronting him out. And um, I could I, I actually said to the, the governor, I said that had been in Belmarsh when I was back in there. Tony's mop would have been fucking round round his head. Within, within about three minutes, right? So I was watching the body language, and it don't give, I don't give a fuck if we're making a program. Men are men, and you challenge him like he was challenging him. He was belittling him. So I actually stepped in and said, Tom, go and refresh your water in your bucket. That's how I did it. I didn't say, oi, stop the fucking arguing. I just made another excuse for it so no one lost face. So it's just common sense. So him just going to fill his bucket up, it diffused the situation. A screw's job... Sorry, if you want to go on, but a screw's job, 90% of the time, is diffusing situations. That's what your job is. It's not rolling around on the floor. It's getting men who are up on the fucking ceiling back down to planet Earth and calming them down. Because the little things will fuck them up. Good answer. All right, so we're getting asked then about what you guys is, uh, how long you've been in prison, what for, that kind of thing. So I'll, I'll go around in a circle. All right, Dwayne? Um. I've been in for most things under the sun, apart from um, murder, but for violence, firearms, robberies, um, and yeah, pay theft and burglaries and driving offences. When I was a kid, obviously the crimes progressed as I got older before I signed out. Yeah. Tony? So if you're, um, I'm going to include remand time because when you're remanded, you're still in prison. And like Dwayne said, at the start, it was minor offences, driving, driving whilst disqualified, theft, uh, burglary. Uh, then it escalated to robbery, Section 8 and GBH, attempted murder, um, uh, money laundering. It, it, it just escalates as you go up the chain. And this is one of the reasons why I constantly said in the programme, especially to uh, Mr Mercer, if, if you don't get that support, it's that progression that happens across the board with anyone that starts their life and offending. George, and how long were you a prison officer for? I was a prison officer for 12 years. Uh, did my first two years on Housebot 4 in Belmarsh. And then I became the first screw in Belmarsh to actually volunteer to go in what was then the HSU, which was one of the worst fucking places. So it was full of IRA, UVF, and uh, we had contract killers. We had the, the Essex boys and everything like that. So it was wow. it was going off all the fucking time. But I'd had enough of the normal wings. So I'd done, I'd done two years with, just under two years with the IRA and that. And then I trained up to become a PEI. I'd done physical education, went to Whitemore, and then came back to Belmarsh as a PEI. Right, we're getting asked, was the show about confrontation and sensationalised as a deterrent? Dwayne? Say that again, sorry. So was the show about confrontation? Was most of the show about confrontation? That's what we're getting asked. I don't know what it was about, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> I just took part. I don't know what it was about. I thought it was about showing the public about what's needed within the jails regarding rehabilitation, resettlement, and how fucked up the prison system is. Um, obviously, series is what it is obviously we've got to still wait for it to come but i obviously thought it was to show the public and then solution what's the solution do you understand so I, I don't know what it was about i don't know the objective behind it to be totally honest with you yeah i think at the end tony was weaving in the solution 
uh, when he was when it finished the episode today. So Tony, is a lot of the show about confrontation? That's what the viewers asking. It's not about confrontation. It's about showing a multi-dimensional view of the prison system. And when I say that, if you look at past programs such, and I was lucky enough to be on Britain Behind Bars, and you look at Ross Kemp's time in Belmarsh, um, and there's been other documentaries on the prison system, they're all one-dimensional. You're only seeing it from an officer's perspective. And it's sort of the um, the inmates are making up the numbers. And the aim of this program was to show the public what happens across the board, what happens behind the cell door, what happens in, in, the, um, in the communal areas, in the gym, because no other program has shown that. It's a world first. It's never been done before. And I honestly believe that a lot of the British viewers that had a perception of the prison system, once they see all four episodes, I believe that perception will change because you're being shown warts and all what the prison system is like and what needs to be fixed to improve it. Because at the moment, it's just a carousel of violence, of uh, uh, being a breeding crown for, for criminals. And it's it, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And even, even if you put this question to George, he will tell you himself, over the last 12 years, it has got consistently worse. Now, when something gets worse, something's wrong. Because if it wasn't getting worse, it'd be getting better, and it's not. And I hope that this, this programme brings about change at government level to improve and do a complete complete overhaul of the prison system in the UK. All right, viewers, if you've just joined us, we're talking to some of the stars of the Banged Up show that's just gone out on Channel 4 tonight. We're going to be doing this every week. If you've got any questions, wherever you are watching this, put them in the chat and we will get them to our guests. So I'll go over to George then. So George, obviously a lot of confrontation is being shown in the episode tonight, which is why the viewer asked that question. But from your perspective, how much confrontation did you have to actually deal with was it mostly quiet in, in the show you mean yeah no i mean in, in in your career in reality the show's showing a lot of confrontation but in reality i imagine that was only a fraction of what you spent your time dealing with yeah, yeah in, in reality it, that depends on where you work though you know so in the eight when like for instance when i was working in the hsu it was a fucking war zone so it was every day, you know, the IRA was just kicking off all, it was like a fucking prisoner of war camp. So, and I know I'm a sick fucker, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that part yeah. of the job. It was, I enjoyed the challenge. Um, I enjoyed working with Bronson and people like that. I, the more challenging it was, the better it was for me. Um, I think it made me a better officer. But when it, if you say what the show's about, to me, as a screw who watches these men, right, and the reason I'm the type of screw I am, is the geezers come in, and I'm from the same area as them. Right, I'm from the same upbringing, right, and, I, and I've actually opened many a fucking door and gone, fuck me, what are you doing here? So I've got many mates from Bermondsey and all sorts who I've banged up, right? So they're stripped. To me, they're stripped of their, really, of their manhood. They get, they get every fucking choice taken out of their life, right? So you want to talk about choice, right, and, and about uh, violence and whatever. I'd, I'd get violent if I was banged up like these geezers. I would, because... That's the only the only thing they could, they've got any power over, is who, they, who they're going to mix with, what they're going to take, what they're going to have. It's the only power they've got. They've got no fucking power. They can't even you know we put them to bed like babies. You know we tell them when they're going to eat and when they're going to. So that's why I never used to say behind your door. You know I would say do you mind getting behind your door please? 
because it was just using those words will get a better reaction from people because you treat them like men. So to me, it was about showing in, it's an inhumane place, but there are people, and I'm not the only one, there's plenty of screws like me I've worked with who can try and make it a more human place. And you'll see fucking great acts of kindness in this program, hopefully, and in, and in prison. There's great acts of kindness, just as many as there are fucking acts of violence, if not more acts of kindness. So in real, in real Belmarsh days, on a normal wing, no, it wasn't like this. But when it goes... It goes. You've got a... You, you, really, as we say, we're one of the few pe- groups of people who run towards violence when it's going off. We don't run away. We have to run towards it. And we don't know what's waiting for us when we get there. <laughs> it's fucking weird. It fucks you up. <laughs> let me just cl- let me just clarify something for the viewers because viewers because uh, Jem was <laughs> unclear about this as well. All of the prisoners in banged up that you saw tonight, they're not serving prisoners. <laughs> I know it was that realistic. You thought they were serving prisoners. They are prisoners who have been released. Well, some are on license. Seven. Oh, some are on license. Seven of them. Seven of them are our have been on our podcast. And George, hopefully, is going to come on the podcast soon. So, Dwayne, let me. Get, you, get the next question over to you. It's from Matt. Yeah. Soldiers often speak on how they become addicted to fear and adrenaline in war. Does living on a wing create this same battle mode euphoria? Yeah, I think it does. It's it's in, it's inside you. But I think once you once you're on a wing or wherever you're living, for myself, the the, the pecking orders there. The people that are control the wing are there, so everyone knows where everyone stands but at the same time you're always in that that mode i think when you're in jail even though the experience the other month in there i haven't been in jail for nearly 10 years now right it's a long time but i felt on tense and ready if people are mugging me off behind my back because i've minimized the risk being out here because i've had a choice i don't put myself around per- certain people so in there i didn't know who i was around and i actually felt a bit I was in that mode, eating my porridge and thinking, is this guy mugging me off or what? And I think 10 days was just enough. I, yeah. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. So if that answers the question, yeah, I was Ooh. in fight and flight all the time. Yeah, because I met Chet the day he got out, man, and he, he was like <laughs> up here. He was ready to go. All right, Tony, do you want me to read the question again? Have you got it? No, what was it again? Soldiers often speak on how they become addicted to fear and adrenaline in war. Does living on a wing create the same battle mode euphoria? So if you're a soldier, you're in a routine, the same as prison. But the difference is, is that you've got outlets for your aggression in what they do in training. In prison, if you go back to the the era of the craze uh, in the 50s and 60s, you would go into a prison gym and there'd be a boxing bag hanging on the wall. And some bright spark said, we don't want boxing bags in uh, or, or mitts, boxing mitts or boxing rings in prisons anymore because it incites violence. Now, this is the kind of logic that I, I'm, I'm so against because now there's no outlet for it. So now the punching bag becomes your cellmate. That's the outlet or whoever gets mouthy on the wing. You've got to understand if you imagine if you're outside and say you get a bit of bad news. So one of your loved ones have died. What do you do? You grieve. You go to a quiet place. You have your loved ones around you. You relax and you sort of come to terms with it in your own way. Now take that same scenario in prison. 
you've still got little dickheads coming to your cell going, you've got any sugar, mate? You've got anything? And, and your mum or your dad's just died. That aggression is going to come out. And that is when it becomes extremely volatile. And th there's nowhere to hide. There's no quiet places. There's no nothing. And half the people you see in there, you don't know. And like Dwayne said, you don't know what they're in for. You could have a geezer walk in your cell and it, he's a nonce. And he's asked to be put into to normal circulation in the prison. So you don't know who you're talking to. So that is why prison for me is so volatile. Each individual has their own problems. And if you catch that person in the wrong frame of mind at the wrong moment, it's going to go off. And th there's no stopping that. George, do you, did you become addicted to the fear and adrenaline? Of restraining everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Dwayne, I nicked five people in 12 years. No, I'm I, only joking. I there's always more than one way to skin a cat, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, addicted to it? No, because that's fucking dangerous. And I've seen officers get like that. Um, I always used to say, look, I don't get paid fucking any more money to roll on the floor. I'd rather talk you down than roll you down, all right? So I'm not, I'm not interested in that, bollocks. Or um, rub you down in my case. Eh? Or rub you I down in my case. <laughs> but addicted to the adrenaline, no, because it, it can be a very, as a job, it can be very fucking boring sometimes. You know, they, they have an old saying in the, in the Nick, was happiness is door shaped. You know, when they're on bang up, they weren't running around like fucking lunatics. So I'll tell you where it went wrong. And this is going back to what Tony said with um, bad news and things like that. And I pride myself on doing, I've got stories for your podcast, so I won't tell, bring you this one up, Sean. But there, <laughs> there's, there's been times, when I first joined the job, you're shitting yourself. And I'll be honest, my first day, the inmates can smell it, that you're a new screw. You don't, they, they could think you're from another nick, but they don't. They know you're a new, you're new mate. And when you first join, you get given five, used to get given five cons, and you as a personal officer to those cons, right? And that meant you were dealing with their probation, their family, every fucking thing they did, their sentence plan, the lot. And it worked so well. It really did work well. We did some really good work with people. So when they had a bereavement, it was the personal officer who went and gave the news if he was on yeah. duty. And you, you, you actually got up close to them and you sat with them. Do you need a phone call? You took them off the wing. You sat them in the principal officer's fucking office and they made a phone call and things like that. So it was more humane in that day because we had the fucking staff. Yeah. I mean, listen, I hate, as you heard on the programme, I fucking hate the Tories with a fashion. But Thatcher built prisons and she filled them up with staff. And then they took, they got it all running right. And then they went, right, let's fucking dismantle this now. Let's bring in a new system. And before you know it, that's why I left the fucking job, you were being asked to unlock 60 cons on your own. And you're, like, oh, you're not doing that. They've been cutting the numbers back so much. You're, you're, you're fucking safety. You ask one of these lads, give them a key, and go and turn to unlock a wing. They get fucking battered if you've got a white shirt on. So that's what they were asking us to do. So no one cares about you. You think, well, I was left to look after myself and I fucked off and left the job. And do you know what? Touching on those weird situations um, that I was just talking about, I was high risk and I had escaped from lawful custody on my record. So if I got a bit of bad news, imagine someone like George having to come into my cell. Imagine I don't know him. I've never met him before. And he comes and he says, right, one of your kids has gone or your uncle's gone or your nan's gone. And then he has to tell you, because you're our risk, you can't go to the funeral. Now, all I want to do is hurt someone, whether it's an officer or an inmate. 
Now, you imagine you're an inmate that's coming into the prison system for the first time, never been in prison before, and he's talking to a few of the kids on the landing and they go, if you need anything, just go and ask someone. Tony's up there. He's quite experienced. Go in there and ask him. Imagine that cunt walks into my cell and goes, got a bottle of juice? Taking his head off because he doesn't know my circumstances. And like George said, all of that personal care is no longer there in the system. It's gone. Absolutely gone. Dwayne, did you get any situations like that? Like, um, like what, sorry? Like what Tony just described. Yeah, not, not really. I, I've always, from 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 young YOYs to HMP, I've always carried just the presence where I didn't really need to get in and get into anything unless, obviously, I was creating something, to be totally honest with you. But just on the note with what George said about the um, prisons, the humanistic approach, that's how it was because it was more he heartfelt human beings back then because we've evolved and our hearts have become desensitised, not just with the prisoners, but even with prison staff, underpaid, A, B and C, the stress and the strain, no one gives a fuck. So what I've seen though, I've experienced, the other day I went to a private nick, I think it was Serco, Leicester, right? And I was doing collecting my data because obviously I'm in, like, that's my business is to do with pers I mean rehabilitation resettlement and all my programs and stuff so I was getting data from this prison and they were saying how good the prison is how um the the, the staff are looked after they had the staff mess they were getting fed food yeah the prisoners if they have one fight they're out so they know there's workshops they're learning all this stuff and I was like wow I ain't seen this shit since I was like 15 in like Huntercombe working jail, but it's actually happening in this new super jail. You go to Scrubs or Wandsworth or whatever, it's 23 hour banger, it's cut, staff ain't getting paid fuck all, and it's just traumatized darkness within there. But I can see there's a shift from what Serco, I think it's Serco, the, um, the Leicester jail. Yeah, and they, they, they're making moves because that infrastructure, what they're using there, it's working and the guys respect it. They're getting out throughout their day, doing rehabilitation, A, B and C. So, so there, it, is, it is happening, but obviously the majority HMP, I don't know why that is. It's obviously the private jails are putting more into the, um, the people because they need their sustainability, don't they? I'm getting asked by the American viewers where we can watch this. So if you're in America, this, we're talking about Channel 4 here in the UK. You'd have to change your IP address and you'd need a VPN to do that, to watch it. It's probably blocked in America. So we've got three of the guys who are in banged up. It's on Channel 4. It was on this evening. If you've got any questions for them, put them in the chat. We're going to be joined by Chet as well here soon. So Neil was trying to get in. I've just spoke to him. I've just texted him then. He's just trying to access the link now. Yeah, I can see him. He's still in his car. All right, so Murray has got a question about prison policy then. So if you treat people like irredeemable objects, how can they be rehabilitated? And that was something you touched on, Tony, wasn't it? Because the politician was saying, it's not all about rehabilitation. <laughs> Punishment. <laughs> <sighs> 
Well, it is. People, uh, look at his attitude. It was victims, victims, victims. And yes, victims deserve justice. If you break the law, you deserve to be punished. That's the way our democracy works. That's the why, the reason why we live such a comfortable life in the UK and relatively safe. But if these people are sent to prison and they're not rehabilitated, they're only going to come out and create more victims and then come back in and then more victims. So you can rabble on about victims all you want, but if you're not going to help address the problems with the individual inmates, and let's face it, each person that comes through them gates has got their own individual problems. And like George says, the, 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 the personal sort of focus on prisoners is gone. And that's the reason why people aren't being rehabilitated there's no counselling when you're out to, for, for the way that the prison system's affected you. There's no, probation is the biggest waste of taxpayers' money I have ever known. It is the biggest joke of a company that exists in the UK today. It does nothing. When I was at my height of offending, I was on probation. I go in probation. I go and get in the car. I go and rob someone. It does absolutely nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And that's because they don't care. And because they don't care, you're not being rehabilitated and you're going to go out and create more victims. Hello, Neil. Neil Neil's Hello. joined us. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry I, I had trouble getting in. I've been listening to you all along, and it's great to see, see George and Tony and Dwayne. Um, and so, um, yeah, I'm very happy to, to join in when you want me to. All right? Well, I'll put, I'll put the question to you then, Neil. So the question is, and bear in mind, you know, based on your experience now, this may have your answer may have changed. Do you think that the prison system in the UK should have more emphasis on rehabilitation and education or more on punishment? I mean, I no doubt that my experience in, in Banged Up um, has really made me think about the sort of justice system, think about what's happening in prisons. And, and uh, yes, it's changed some of my views because I think when I was an MP, who didn't have a lot to do with prisoners and people that have been inside. So therefore, you know, you say, well, lock them up, throw away the key. Um, and what it really brought home to me, and I, and I really do think uh, what they did with Bang, you know, to me was, you know, hugely authentic. Um, and it brought home to me that we are not, um, we're, we're not treating the prisoners right. We're not rehabilitating them. You know, we're not the co education courses we're doing aren't worth anything when you go out and the idea that you know you turn them out with you know 50 quid in their pocket and a, a postcode to go to which might be a park bench and then they're going to go straight um afterwards is, is madness and and i know george explained to me a lot about the way the prison system service uh, and you know with the officers over the years has changed um you know huge officers under huge pressure now the numbers of prisoners to officers is, is is crazy and of course when you go into that prison environment and you see you know even with 30 odd inmates there you could see that if they really you know if we really all wanted to kick off um and you imagine you had 80 um or, or more on a wing uh, and they all kicked off um there would be no chance so yes i mean it gave me a huge experience and it, and it really has made me think and it's changed quite a few few of my views, really, because I think until we um, actually get an ability where prisoners are able to work when they're in prison, be able to earn some money, and then have a chance to go out at the end with with some training, you know, with a course that's worth something to an employer, 
um, then I think you know we are such a huge waste of people. And I, and I think I know that the, the problem I I can see is that can you know identifying those that are going to go straight and those that are just pulling your wool over your eyes. I get all of that. But I think, you know, we've got to do so much more. So I, I'm sorry sorry to go on a bit, but um, there was definitely, for me, it was a hell of an experience. Um, I mean, George was frightening, especially when I arrived at the at the jail <laughs> and I was strip searched and keep your hands off the, off the table and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, the, the whole thing, I mean, Tony, of course, he was a, a right pain in the arse, you know, putting <laughs> water over me and... And, and and putting rubbish in my bed and generally causing me grief. But but if you watch the next show, you'll see that, that I did retaliate a little bit in the end. But um, <laughs> but, but 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 seriously, you see, I think what was good about the show was that it it yes, it had all those sort of you know reality TV stuff that it's entertaining for people to watch. But what I'm hoping um, is it will also make people think about the prison system. And and I, I have been listening to you all since the start and I, I've just got in basically well thanks great answer and it's good to hear that it is changing people's perceptions let's go around in a circle then we've got George next did you see more punishment and less rehabilitation during your career George yeah because of this, what happened was staff started getting disillusioned and I'm talking top class staff right who I worked with and the prison system just let them fuck off and let them go and do their own thing and left the system. And these were back in the back in when I joined, beginning of the nineties, it was like they were recruiting from the services, you know, and people people who were disciplined in their way, but they knew how to run a system. And they knew how to be strong and they knew how to be human. Right. So you're always going to get an arsehole. You always mean there was arseholes on the other side of the bars as well as on our side of the bars. So you're always going to get that. But the thing with the system was you always looked at it and you thought what is it the public want? Now, some of the public, they want their fucking pound of flesh, right? And they want these lads on the other side of the bars to fucking suffer. Well, it ain't my job to make them suffer, right? To me, the punishment, the punishment is the loss of liberty. Okay, so we've took their liberty away. Now, what are we as a society going to do with that? You're going to just put them in fucking cages that you wouldn't put your Alsatian in and let them fucking brew on it and stew on it and go fucking barmy and go out and you're, you're, you're all surprised. Oh, look, fucking crime's gone up, right? Or are you going to go, let's pump some fucking stuff into this. Let's put some effort in as a nation, this great nation we're always hearing about. Let's, let's turn it on this and the NHS, things like that. But let's put it into, into it, put, put some energy into it and see what happens over the next decade. Let's fucking see what happens as a nation and actually stick to the plan and really put some effort in because they've lost their liberty. And look, look, I've worked with them all where they go, ah, do it standing on me, a governor. Yeah, all right. Load of bollocks, all right, because they're getting it in the ear hole from the missus. They're not seeing their kid's birthday. They're not having Father's Day. They're not going through Christmas properly. They all talk bollocks, a lot of them, where they say, I could do it easy and all this. Right? They would rather it where they're coming out with something to show for that sentence and they don't have to go back to that fucking shit. And just to finish, there is a... There is a there is a mis it's a disparate it's a people believe that the the 19th century was a fucking tough austere program well let me tell you, at the end of the 19th century the criminal justice system started to introduce trades for the um, young offenders mm. crime went down crime went 
fucking flew the floor right down because they started to give them apprenticeships and started to train them while they were in prison, training prisons. And then it was just the public weren't happy. They want to they see people suffer. It's a fucked up thing. Yeah. Norwegians are with it, you know, and other countries, progressive nations. But our country seems to have this thing where we can't decide whether we're a push me or a pull you. You know, yeah. we, 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 we want them banged up, you know, but we don't want them reoffending. All right, well, we're going to bang up for 24 hours a day in scrubs. Well, good luck with that. But I'll, I'll well, Sean, 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 Sean. Welcome, Chet. Welcome, Chet. How was your experience in the yeah, show? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Am I on? You're on. Yeah. You're yeah. live. You're, You're on. on. Yeah. Right. Okay, You're on, guys. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've had loads of fucking drama, man. Loads of drama. The clothes off the fucking A1. Had to take loads of back roads, this, that. <laughs> Anyway, I've heard the convo all the way through, yeah? Okay? Um, I've heard the convo through, and uh, I feel like uh, cutting my fucking wrist. <laughs> Don't <laughs> do uh, it! Take this show up, guys. Take this show up a little bit, man. <laughs> it's depressing as fuck. <laughs> That's what prison is. Come on. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> right, you Okay. Go, go, Sean, fire away. Chet, fire away. Chet, Chet, Chet. How, how was your experience then? Was it a worthwhile thing that you did? Did you enjoy it? Give us, give us a little uh, insight. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, it, like, sort of awakened me again, yeah? Um, senseless what I had inside, what I lost when I left jail, because they do leave you, but it's good to have them around you, you know, because they do keep you aware. They keep you on your toes. Uh, they keep you totally on it. Um, and that I lost, yeah, which you normally do. When you're on the out, you get into this, getting into that, blah, blah, blah. And it's all a bit easy and free and easy. But in jail, you're on it every day because you have to be on it every day. And it brought that awareness back to me. The courses as well. Um, the mental, There was a mental health course I walked out of, the drug course I walked out of. There was one that was fucking quite good. Uh, I forget which one it was, yeah. It was one where um, he got all a bit emotional. But I won't talk about any... I can't talk about any, like, um, future shit, what's happened on the show, yeah? Okay? I don't want to give the game away. Um, but um, it brought a lot of awareness back to me. And uh, after I left, I met you on the first, first day. First day. Second day. And I was like, my head was in another place, wasn't it, John? Uh, <laughs> you know it, yeah? Uh, my girlfriend... You were ready to go, man. You were like that, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, totally on it. It took me two weeks to decompress from the show. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. I had that. And it's like Tim and Tom, the directors, when we went in, one of the things they said to all of us is that we want all of you to get your jail heads back on. And what they mean by that is to sort of resort back to that mentality of when we was banged up. And you have to understand, I haven't been in any trouble since 2011. Um, and I've been doing documentaries and lots of other stuff with television. And for me to resort back to that mentality... That was difficult enough, but it was even more difficult to then go back to normal when I come out. And it took me a good while uh, to calm down and go back to being me. How was decompressing, Dwayne? Yeah. For me, I was more held, kind of held, reserving myself back, to be totally honest with you. Because if I was my old character, I'd be uh, doing certain things. And, and yeah, it would probably been a bit of a pickle in there. So I thought it was best... Me just 
come in and out with a bit of banter, but that's it. Cause I wouldn't want to put my open up the door to myself again. So I just kind of just held it back and just plopped in and out with a bit of banter and, and stuff with the people, but I didn't go there. Um, yeah, I didn't go there. Did you have oh, decompression, Sean? Sorry, oh, cutting, Sean. I'm sorry, Dwayne. I've I've got um I've just had a call coming from work. I've um I've got a shoot out to work. Um, I do apologise. Next next week I will be on for the full show. Uh, but I'm on call. Um, I've got to go and rob some. I've got to go and rob someone. That's what it is. Nah. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've I've got to go out and save someone on the motorway. So I do apologise. But next week I will be here. But um, you thank you for everyone that's tuned in. Good I hope time. you all enjoyed the show. It's lovely to see you all, boys. Um, yes. And I hope the rest of the podcast is entertaining for everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Did you did you have decompression, Neil? Yes, yes. Sue, my wife, said, um, you know, you need to sort of calm down a bit, really, you know. And um, she's always telling me to do that when I get worked up. But, um, yeah, it took me several days, really. Um, and I think, I mean, I was sort of, I, I had excitement still in me. I had emotions still in me. I mean, I left an emotional wreck, the, the show, because... Um, you know, or the, the whole thing, because it's not really a show, because you were really felt you were in prison, and we went through restorative justice at the end, and of course I had to go back through what happens in Parliament and the fact that I'd had on on my wife, on Sue and others, and so so the whole thing was, yeah, I mean, it was so real for me, um, and you know, and I, I would say to Tony, he's gone now, isn't he? But you know, he he reverted to type very well, I think, you know, and um, and and so did George, you know, I think it was. And, and Chet, of course, you know, he, he was the one who said to me, you know, when I was sharing a cell with him, you know, I don't kill the innocent. Well, I was hoping at that stage I was the innocent, you see. And so, I mean, he was so realistic. Um, you know, he, he showed me these weapons that you make in, in prison, one out of a toothbrush, which I won't, won't <laughs> describe over the podcast because it's, it, 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 it's indescribable. Um, and, and one made from a tuna tin cover. But, you know, all of these things that, and of course, all the people, you know, I met while I was in prison, um, you know, they were people like I'd never met in, in my life before. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you had a sort of a whole crash course um, of prison, um, which sort of just sort of permeated out through me. Uh, and it's definitely, you know, I, I can say this in all honesty, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll remember it for the, the whole of my life um, because it's such an experience, you know, some of it terrifying, um, some of it really moving um, and, and just really making you look at what, you know, the, the prison system is like and, and how overcrowded it is and all of these things. And of course, you know, I mean, I was in there, what, for five, six days. Um, and I knew I was going to come out again, right? So, but you imagine if you're in there for years, um, you know, you, you must lose all hope and, and you must, you know, become, you become incarcerated, you become institutionalized, uh, all of these things, you know, they're catchphrases. But, you know, when you're in there, you could, you could catch it. So all of that, as I came out, it took me a while to, to and of course, that's why I've tried to keep in contact with everybody since, you know, Chet and, and everybody and George has been down and Dwayne is coming down, um, you know, because they come to the farm uh, and I want to sort of be see them in my own environment. But I want to also um, keep in touch as well. So that's how I decompress. But Sue, Sue definitely thought I was very wound up when I came out. And of course, as Howie, the psychologist, told us it would take us a while. And, and he, 
he was right. And of course, George, he's got the you know, you've got the direct experience of of running you know a prison and and being there because I I considered you the chief the chief guard even though even though you perhaps weren't the chief guard as far as I was concerned I gave you that 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 role you see. <laughs> Did you go decompress, George? I knew it was going to happen. Um, so I, I don't know if Neil remembers, but I, I did try to in, in, in part on the lads as, as I was processing them out of prison. I said to him, "Everything is going to sound louder. I said the senses are going to be sharper. I said you've been walking along, you've noticed fucking blue water or something. You'll just be fucking heads everywhere. You'll be like a, a wild animal. I said, when you come out for the first four or five days, everything will be louder. Every and you'll get you'll have a quicker temper." over things so that's 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 the thing you see so when like, i'm talking to someone and i'm trying to help someone today and i've tried to say to her people don't understand that the women at home are doing a fucking sentence as well but when your fella's getting released i've told her talk to me because i'm going to prepare you for when he comes out i said because he's going to be different i said but it won't last it's just going to be a decompression he's got to come back up to a vibration level of the street at the moment, they're a, like the lads, where they were, where Neil went. I, I don't want to give the game away, but I tried to prepare Neil for fucking getting his head straight and going in, right? Because the vibration level is fucking fast and it's on you. And you ain't you sink or swim, right? And then all of a sudden, bang, you're back out on the street and the vibration level's like... But you're operating at fucking like, like a bongo gun. So you've got to be prepared for that. And allow yourself the space to do it and give yourself, like, take yourself away. Like, where he lives is perfect, bit of countryside. Take yourself away from everything before you split heads open. That's why people come back inside so quick. Like, yeah, goggle box for. Split their heads open where I live, George. Like, yeah. yeah. All those cows. Not the animals. <laughs> yeah. Goggle box was talking like he thought he was going to bring the whole prison to his vibration. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, oh no. <laughs> lovely, lovely fella, but he went in with the wrong attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lovely fella. Sean, he thought he was going to do the business on that one, yeah? Uh, he doesn't really know it, yeah? No. He'd be right. Oh, do you know what it is? He's got a boxing gym. He's an excellent geezer. I love it a bit. He's really yeah. cool. We had a good talk. Yeah. Um, but these people on the out think they can do it on the in. You can't do it on the in. You, uh, you've got to be there for a while to do it on the in. George, you know, Dwayne, guys, you, you know all this shit, yeah? Mm. Um, you need that experience to, like, control on the in. You can't just walk in on your first no. day and take over. <laughs> Unlock, yeah? That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. Well, like. it, it, you don't know this, but it got off to a... Like we were sitting in reception and we were we were being told when they're pulling up with their motor and whatever. And Jax, the other young screw with the tattoos, he was outside when his car had pulled up. And then Jax came in and he went to me. He looked at me, got out of his car and he went, ah, the enemy. Like that. And I went, fucking hell, that's a good start. <laughs> Calling us the enemy. He ain't even fucking met us yet. But the public have got this fucking Shawshank Redemption heads on. They think it's black and white. And you're the enemy, we're the fucking cons, and they soon have to learn a whole new way of life. Your way yes. of life does not exist anymore. Your choices are gone, so you better fucking hook your mind into this sharpish, or you're going to drown. Yeah. 
Dwayne, yep. Dwayne, if you could have gave Gogglebox some advice before he came in, what would you have told him? I told him just to be easy, isn't it? Just be yourself and, and work his way through the dynamics because you gotta you gotta come in and be the observer. Don't even yes. participate. Less is more, minimal. The more familiar you get, the more you're opening your door. It's about staying, not getting familiar with people. And the more information you put out, the more they're going to work you out. Yeah. And then they come in. Yeah. Neil, exactly. do, you have, exactly. do, you have, do you have prison survival advice for the newbie? Yeah. <laughs> Just go in and take the punches, you know, and, and listen. And then, you know, once you start to get a bit of rapport, um, you know, once Chet had stopped, you know, giving me the, you know, the, the whole riot act, um, I was able to sort of, we got on very well and we get on very well now. So it's a case of, you know, not going in with preconceived ideas, not be too judgmental either, you see. Um, there was one guest, I won't mention his name, but um, who I thought was very judgmental. And, and I think, um, you know, you, you, you realize that you're going in with prisoners that have reformed, um, yet they had a you know, pretty bad past. Um, so, but you know, you accept them as they are, you get on with it, don't you? And, and, and the, I was thinking of that method of dealing with it. And George, when I came in, the advice you were gave, gave me to, you know, to, to join in, basically, um, you join in with prison life. Um, and, and that's what I did. And I think that was, the, if there's one message I would say to everybody, if you had to go into prison, join in with it now yes you will meet some very difficult people and you will meet you know, some real problems but i think the more you join in uh, the better chance you have of survival um and i think neil, neil we're losing your audio can you get get your mouth closer to the device all right so yeah it, thanks it, uh, <laughs> is that better i probably got my finger over something here um so um but you know it's very much a case of of survival uh, and going in and joining in um and being part of the system um you know you don't necessarily enjoy the system um but that's how you do it and i think if you sort of stand back away from it uh you don't stand a chance really chet chet was neil your yep. best ever cellmate best ever <laughs> right uh you scruffy as fuck, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've had tinier than him. Scruffy, yeah. But I think uh, nobody really dare be more scruffy than him. I think he had a. Uh... Mm -hmm. Right. He <laughs> he was really scruffy, yeah, Sean. One incident, I don't know if this is going to be shown or not, yeah. He came in. This was mid afternoon. Lock up, bang up. Uh, came in, took off his socks. Put them on the table where we eat the food. <laughs> okay. I just looked and I went, what the fuck? And he went, what? I went, socks on the fucking table. Are you fucking kidding me here? <laughs> I went, you don't do that. I went, you don't put socks on the fucking table. Dwayne, you know about that. We've had this convo. He yeah. said, what? What the fuck did he do? <laughs> That's a stabbing offence. <laughs> right, but I told me all these fucking things, yeah. You don't put socks on next man's fucking table where he eats. No, you don't do that. No, I, I got, I got the message, Chet. Don't worry. <laughs> even though that table is not ours, it is ours. That's our little house. 
That's yeah. where we live. That's our little fucking area where yeah. we are. Wow, that's our little place here where we can stick things up. Uh, that's our little home. And uh, when somebody violates that area, we take oh. it. Serious the fuck. Yeah. We've got quite a deep question here for George. Oh, for me, right? Yeah, will, will society ever accept that some part of our nature will always desire to be dark, cruel and aggressive, perhaps even evil, instead of shunning this part, might we study it instead? Oh. Wow. Well, I, think, I think, honestly, that when, in my service as an officer, we used to far more than we do now. And that's the gripping thing as an officer, is that Look, the system wasn't perfect in the 90s, right? but it was more progressive. More money was thrown at it in the mid-90s and more specialists were involved. And that goes for, I've seen officers progress into psychology and things like that. So more time was spent on studying that. I'm a great believer that with every light, there comes a dark. We've all got a dark side and it all comes out in pressure. Prison is a pressure place, right? All it is is a mirror of society but under a fucking really, really powerful microscope. And then they pour loads of testosterone on it. And that's what happens. So you're going to get tension. You're going to get pressure. You're not going to undo human or mankind. But surely, surely, as one of the top five, six nations on this fucking planet, we can do better. We can do better. We've got it in us as a nation to do better than just fucking sling men in places where you would not sleep. If I slung my dog in that for 24, 23 hours, I would be nicked for animal cruelty, right? So as a nation, we are dealing with still, I don't give a fuck. All right, they've got victims. The victims have been served by the, by the criminal justice system by the sentences handed down. It's what we do with the sentences then. Do we just fucking, uh, you know, we, we, do we bow to the red meat Daily Mail fucking crowd and say, <laughs> fuck them all, let them fucking suffer? Or do we actually become more civilised and step up as a nation? So it's a frustrating Wayne? job. It's a frustrating yeah. job because, but then you have it within your power to make individuals' days better. And Chet got a bit of that when I was in there, and he knows that. So with the gym and things like that, you have it within your power for little acts of kindness to make time better for people. Oh. And just on the, just to, just sorry to go on, but just on the cell thing, which Chet was saying, as officers, when you unlock, you look at cells, and when you've got a cell like Chet's, which is fucking spotless, or Kevin Lane's, mm -hmm. right, and spotless, you know that man can handle his bird. Oh. Clean cell, clean mind. What are you trying to say my cell <laughs> was a chip? Yeah, you were. I know. I feel after Neil. Yeah. After you and Neil have seen it. No, that won't fly. That won't fly. Don't ask me. That won't fly. Anyway, they destroyed my cell. I've seen cells in Belmarsh. You could eat your fucking dinner off the floor. And then geezers, then geezers were sitting outside reading the fucking, reading the Financial Times and doing the stock market, and they were fucking switched on and doing their bird the right way. They never got dragged in. All the old timers, they all know how to do it, and that that's why Chet, it's it's up here. You keep yourself. Tidy, keep your mind tidy. Oh. Yes, exactly, Dwayne. exactly, George, exactly. Yes, keep yourself tidy, and your mind tidy, Absolutely. body as well. You got to train, clean your cell, and everything else just falls in place. Everything else falls in place. 
Dwayne, you rehabilitated yourself in prison. Was that due to the services offered or was that something internal you did yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was internal. Did it myself. Obviously, I was in the criminal justice system for 17 years, in and out from the age of 13 to 29 years old. All the programs that I've come across throughout my 17 years, it's all the same bullshit. It's the cherry on the cake. They're not looking at the bottom of the dough, of the trauma, and the most of the 80,000 prisoners are probably all victims themselves, victims of trauma that haven't been dealt with, and it hasn't been addressed, so that's been a driving force to their substance misuse and offending behaviour. It's not rocket science, it's fucking psychology and science, but it's like they're not providing the right intervention, the right services within the jail to reach the people to obviously for the rehabilitation to take place. They're pussyfooting around with these programs, TSP and all that, thinking skills. Oh, if you walked in a bar and you see your missus there, oh, and all this crap, yeah? It's, 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 all, it's just nonsense. And you're thinking to yourself, wait there, they know how to do it. And there's multiple... Um, rehabilitation, resettlement um, companies out here that are doing amazing jobs, including myself, not blowing me on trumpet. But we have methodologies that have worked and proven, yeah, and it's scientifically proven. So why are you going to use something? And why are you going to use people to train people, that people that haven't gone through it themselves? Don't make sense. Don't make sense. Neil, Neil, you're getting asked... What was the point of the program, and did you think it was a social experiment kind of thing? I think the point of the program was to sort of give you a real taste of prison, and I think the point also is to, I hope, at the end of the program, to be able to sort of concentrate on what we do with prison and prisoners in in the future. So I think it was sort of, there was a sort of, if you like, the entertainment and the ordeal part mm. of it, because it was an ordeal. Um, but there was also, um, you see, we did quite a lot of stuff at the end um, where we actually come we talk about some solutions and things. And I think, you know, that's what's needed because, I mean, to make a sort of financial point, you know, I mean, we it cost between 120 and 150 thousand pounds a year to keep a prisoner in jail in the conditions that George talks about. Um, yeah. So, for goodness sake, if we could actually perhaps spend a bit more on the individual prisoner, but then actually they don't come back again, um, then yeah. in the end, believe it or not, you know, putting my financial hat on, we'd probably save money as well. So I think, you know, for me, it was a hell of an experience. Um, and I think I think it was well done, well done to the George and the prison officers who, you know, used to let the prisoners, ex-cons go halfway up the wall and then bring them down. But you didn't sort of you didn't sort of try and bring them down immediately. And, and, I, and I, I sort of watched all of this uh, fascinated by it, really, if not terrified on occasion. <laughs> and then and then, like I said, but I think there is a real point to this program, and I hope, like I said, when it's all finished, um, that it will, you know, it will get people um, to think, to get politicians really to think uh, about our prison system. We've got ten minutes left, viewers, to so get your final questions in now. Ten can minutes left, get your questions in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, on our case, on my last case, yeah, the first case, Interpol were involved. That cost them millions, yeah? On my second case, 
I was told it cost them over five million to bring four of us to court. Yeah, oh. um, if they just gave us a half a million pound each, we would have stopped. <laughs> we would have stopped <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that so might listen, be rewarding. No, 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 no. Right. That's saving. Yeah, that's sure. saving. Neil. Think about this one. That's saving yeah. them a lot of money. Yeah, just yeah. give us a half million each, and we'll stop, <laughs> and we'll be good boys. And you don't that's... have to go to jail. We'll probably <laughs> make a. Have a shop and all that, even, yeah? I don't know, who yeah. knows, yeah? So I have a think about this, guys, yeah? Five million to bring four yeah. of us to court. Yeah. And then, all the time in jail, more cost, yeah? yeah? Uh, right. John, it's a no-brainer. Just pays off, in it? <laughs> George, George, when you hear that it costs that much to house a prisoner for a year, how does that make you feel? Do you think that should be going into officers' salaries? Probably. Salaries. Okay, you want to start with the salaries. Um, the salaries are a lot better than when I fucking joined. Okay, let me tell you that for a start off. Um, it's about attracting the right people, right? Uh, it's about upping. It's, it's about upping the standards. They lower the fucking standards everywhere. They lower the standards of the old bill. They lower the standards of our of our game. And we, when I left, it was fucking laughable. When I left, ages ago, and it's got even worse now. You know, when I when I started, it was level eight on the fucking bleak test, minimum. When I left, it was level four. It was like a fucking stroll. Right? It was just people who weren't of the same stature. Do you know what I mean? Who could handle the pressure, and it's enormous fucking pressure you're under, every day with a laugh, with a smile, with humanity. Still go, don't let it affect you in that way. So oh. the money... Yeah, everyone wants more money, don't they? Fucking hell. I'm not saying it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, we want to attract more people, but will it attract the right people? I think you've got to change the recruitment. You've got to up your standards. And if you've got to pay them more, then pay them more. But make the job where you're achieving something. Not fuck, like Dwayne's just said. Dwayne was spot on there where he said about, it's really a numbers game, right? It's about, I'll give you for instance, so government came in, certain late new Labour came in in fucking 97. Don't get me wrong, I, I voted for the fuck. But, so they came in, and all of a sudden, do you know what they done? they done this. They went, um, right, every drug fine at the, at, the, at the gate with visits, when a dog was doing a tap, they were taking the fucking puff off them when it was... And they were binning it. Now, they used to nick them, right? So that was a drug find. So fucking hell, that's good. Like drug find here, drug find there, drug find there, right? Hiding it on the babies and whatever, you'd find a drug find. Do you know why? So the fucking Home Secretary could stand up in Parliament and say, drugs are down in prison because the drug fines are down. They fucking weren't down. Yeah. They changed the tactics. They also started saying, like, slip notes. We had slip notes under the fucking doors of the inmates. You're about to be searched. Mm. Guess what? We never found anything. There must be less drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all a numbers game. So Dwayne's right. Right. fighting up hill, trying to get good courses in prison that actually fucking work. Oh. Where that all it is is you're a mate of someone and you've got a fucking company and and someone in the home office is earning, getting backhanders. Oh. And we know it goes for a, tick, for a tick box. Exactly, it's a tick, it's a tick box exercise. So as an officer, you go in. And that's why I was the type of officer I was. I'm here to run a fucking system. I'm going to be as human as I can with it and make your day as good as I can. I'm not here to make your time in prison shit. I'm here to be a professional and do the job. 
I'm not here to give people a pound of flesh oh. and to be a human. That's what I was. So that's how I've done it. I thought, I can't change the fucking system, but I ain't going to let the system change me. Dwayne, you're getting asked whether any of the drug or alcohol programs helped you. Um, only when I got to facilitate, co-facilitate. <laughs> but yeah, there was um, W Westminster Drug Project. Yeah, that's when my transition happened, and they allowed me the space to facilitate the program. So it did help me because it helped me step into my my uh, greatness and then do the work that I was doing. So yeah. Westminster Drug Project, they, they they let me have the platform whilst I was a prisoner to then facilitate the programme. So, yeah, I would say so too. Neil, you're getting asked, who is going to listen to the findings of this experiment? What do you think they will do with the evidence? Hear me or not? Yeah, I yeah. can hear you, yes. Right, yes. Um, can I just say to George in particular, I think what I liked about George is that you have a presence um, and you and that's what matters I think with a prison officer um, is that you are able to deal with the prisoners you're not one of the prisoners you're an officer you're a screw as they call them I never quite got to calling you screws I didn't go go quite that far uh, but you know I think what I what I saw in you <laughs> is what we need in so many prison officers the ability to be able to, to deal with prisoners and for the prisoners that have some sort of respect for you um, at the end of the day and all right yeah they're all difficult and some of them may n never have respect for anybody but they're more likely to have respect for you and I'm not just saying it because you're here on the thing George um, I just genuinely thought that and, and that's how I believe in life um, you know and, and I think we just haven't got enough prison officers and I just don't think we probably um, you know uh, uh, they're, they're under pressure and I don't think we always get the right ones, as, as George is saying. Uh, but I think until we get more prison officers in the prison so they're not so stretched, we're going to have a great difficulty in getting the right officers in there. And it's just getting worse as far as I can see. Well, and again, then, George, you talked about, you know, the private systems and others that go on and the fact that lots of tick boxes, a lot of drugs, are, uh, you know, prescription drugs are dished out because... Um, that suits the companies, you know, all sorts of things I learnt while I was in there uh, and since. So um, we just got to put it to good use, haven't we? But uh, uh, yep. I, I'm praising George to the hilt tonight, but I, I believe it because uh, I, I just felt that he had the right attitude. Um, and um, if we had more like him still in the service, um, I think it'd be a lot better. And then we get Chet and others and all out. But I, I'm not convinced by Chet. I, I, my powers of persuasion in Parliament are pretty good, but I think the idea that instead of spending five million on knocking no, no, him, no, 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 um, we half give him a half a million, half a and million. he'll go straight. Um, Neil, I, think Neil, I, Neil. I, I, can, I can understand the argument, but I, I think it, it would take a bit of take a bit of doing, Chet. Uh, there's Olivia there as well. Hello, Olivia. Word How are out, you? Bro, working out the stats, about eighty thousand guys in jail. Yeah, there's only yeah. about twenty of them hardened, but twenty. Give more than half a mil each. Yeah. They will stop. Jails will be empty. The only oh. people in jail will be crimes of passion, where oh. you find your missus fucking somebody and you come in and do them, yeah? Okay, oh. it'll just be them ones. It'll be no drug dealers. It'll be none of us, no bank robbers. Half oh. a mil each. We'll pay taxes <laughs> after that, even. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, it's I, a no-brainer. 
And the staff that the staff that they're hiring now are 21 and 23 year old young girls. They are and, and boys. They're 21, yeah. 23 year old boys and girls yeah. that are in the that are being hired now. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. see it. Yeah, you yeah. see, the point George, that Dwayne was George, making just now is that... They've is, lost, uh, George. Yeah. George, Sorry? They've lost the old school yeah. officers, and then they brought in the younger officers now. I know, yeah. I feel sorry yeah. for them. Still, With no life. Tucked in at the deep end. No. Yeah, yeah, he's right. He's right, he's right. right. Uh, and I feel sorry for the screws. But and the kids terrorise them. And the men terrorise them. Mate, that mm. I've worked with officers just like me, Right, really, were committed to the fucking job. Yeah. Not bullies, not bullies, right? So I didn't have it with pants, right? So there were good officers doing really fucking good work. And then they just, I don't know, they just had this thing of get rid of the dinosaurs, get yeah. rid of these fuckers. They got, to, we stood up to them, see, we stood up to management, get fucking yeah. rid of them. And they wanted little fucking droids running around the fucking prison, doing as they're told and not knowing what they were, what they were doing or fuck all. And they, gave, they gave the prisons away. The, the alarm will go off and they'll run off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. The alarm are going to run. Let's just run to the job. <laughs> we go off. We just, we just... Pandemic, I've got a mate. He went back to the, he went back to work in Belmarsh just for a short short stint, right? Cab driver, mate of mine. And he'd done, he, he'd done a knowledge with me while I, was on it, while I was at Belmarsh. And he went to me. The screws looked at me. I was up on the toes. And I was having a giggle with some of the old cons. He says, and they came up to me and they went, what are you doing? He went, I'm having a laugh with, his, with the lads. He went, they went, we don't do that. We just stand down on the desk. Don't get involved with them. And I, he went, well, fuck off. He said, back in the day, we, we always played fucking table tennis with them. We did play ball. We had bets with them. We took them down the gym, fucking worked out. And he was like, they were like, we don't do that. They don't interact now. They, there's no interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, I'll tell you what, you want to hear some of the stories, I'll tell you of the stuff I've got up to. Mm. I had some great, and that's why I've got on my Facebook, loads of ex high risk cat A's. Because I, I interacted with them, I, I had fucking yeah. laugh with them. The man who's well, laughing with you is far less likely to fucking jug you or, start, or stab you. Let yeah. me tell you. We've just got a few minutes left, guys. What can the viewers look forward to in the rest of the episodes? Can you give us a, a clue? Well, should I say there's going to be some entertainment? Um, like yeah. I said, Tony did quite a few things to me along the way, so um, that's going to come out probably in the next episode. Don't I'm not going to tell And then I got him the back. Bag. Yeah, I got him back as well with the help of Chet. No, don't tell him. Stop. Don't tell him. Yeah, because I'm going to definitely get Chet. You know, I'm going to make sure that he he serves time. Well, you know what I did as well as me, you see. So you know, I I'm going to share around the responsibility of this. So, um, but no, there'll be quite a lot there, and um, yeah, like I said, quite a lot of stuff. And then, um, yeah, we have an interesting night at the end as well. And um, yeah, there's plenty there for people to get their teeth into. And I could at the end, we hopefully. Um, talk a little bit more about the future of prisons as well. So I'm hoping there'll be some quite sort of reasonably serious stuff towards the end. But we will, we will see. I have we haven't what, seen the episode. You see, Chet's about to come in now. He's going to put Real me okay, right. Bro. Okay, Sean. Right. Um, 
the first episode is the first day or two, yeah? That's where we're all fresh, just going in. We're all cool and easy. But um, the second, third, fourth day, it kicks in. The emotions start. Um, George knows all about this. He had to calm us all down. And he did. He had to calm me down once. Um, And he did do a good job, yeah? That's what you need, yeah? Because um, the other ones were scared to even come near me. But George come, spoke to me, calmed me the fuck down, and I was cool after that. <laughs> so this is what uh, George knows. This is what George lack, yeah? Um, it's that effect. It's a George effect. Because um, otherwise, if they're scared to talk to you, they just close the fucking door, don't they, George? Yeah? Yeah. They close the door and, and that, yeah. Not my leave, back it, leave it, leave it, leave it. But you went, no, I will speak to him. Let me talk to him. And you did. So there's loads of emotions. Uh, shit was going. Our heads were back in there. After the second or third day, it started to go back inside. Yes, it did. And that's what's come. Why should people keep watching, Dwayne? Um, to watch Peter drop the soap in the shower. on that note thank you viewers for all your questions we're going to be back next week check Chet's book out available worldwide it's brilliant and all the viewers all the guest links are in the description box below the video (laughs) check please check out and support their work huge thank you guys for spending time with us this evening and thank you viewers for all your questions. Hope to see some of you next week. So cheers. Take care out there, wherever you are in the world. Thanks for watching.